New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting Mark Matusik, who is an award-winning author of many books, including Lessons from an American Stoic, How Emerson Can Change Your Life. Mark also leads intensives and guided writing sessions that focus on transformation, self-discovery, creative growth, and spiritual insights through the method of writing to awaken. I'm speaking with Mark at his home by Remote Connection. Welcome, Mark, to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thanks, Justine. It's great to be with you. It's great to be with you, too. Ralph Waldo Emerson's philosophy is that self-knowledge is of utmost importance in living a successful and fully realized life. So knowing our personal perspective is a big part of that. So in your most extensive research of Emerson, what advice can you pass on to us regarding unwinding our personal biases, beliefs, and cultural conditioning that affects the life choices we make? This is huge. Emerson called it the angle of vision. He said, what is a man but what he is thinking about all day? Until we understand how we see, we can't understand who we are. The two are inseparable. So questioning your perspective through self-inquiry, he suggested journaling is a great way of doing that and something that I've I've practiced for uh, many years. We come to see our biases, our blind spots, our prejudices, the ways that uh, that we exaggerate our own importance the ways that we exaggerate our flaws. You know, we, we're looking through a kind of trick, a funhouse mirror in the mind. Things are, things are blown wildly out of proportion. It's a kind of dysmorphia. So uh, bringing that down to earth and clarifying your angle of vision and understanding how you see uh, is a huge step uh, toward a self-understanding. But it's hard work. You know, it means it means looking at the things we don't want that we avoid, including things in what's called the psychological shadow. That's a very important step in questioning your angle of vision. If you don't understand that you have a, a depressive narrative going through your mind that's causing you to see as you know through a glass darkly, you're going to believe your version of the world. You're going to think that this uh, that this shadowy untrustworthy, uh, alienating vision of the world that you're seeing through your fear or through your pain is reality. And that's, that is the way most of us live. You know, we live trapped inside this, this, um, this movie uh, of our own making, not understanding that we are the ones who are perpetuating, uh, the way that we see. Hearing you say that I'm thinking of those of us who have chosen 
and this isn't a terrible thing, but have chosen to live in a fenced-in way, especially, let's say, in religion or even in politics, a fenced-in way that we get a diet given to us, you know, already pre-described, pre-packaged, <laughs> and it feels comfortable. Oh, I can just take on that dogma, whether it's religion or politics or whatever it is, or my family of origin or my ethnic background, whatever it is. And that feels so comfortable as a human being, because then we don't have to worry about uh making decisions because these choices are kind of made pre-made for us. What do you think Emerson would say about that? Or also what your own work in your own writing workshops, tell me what do you say about that? Well, he talks about beware, being aware of the desire to give away your power and that becoming part of a group and fixing a label on yourself saves you from what he called the vexation of thinking. So instead of actually having to think for ourselves, uh, it's easier to go along with the crowd, but that is the antithesis of a well-lived life. He talks about envy being uh, ignorance and imitation being suicide. You know, the fact that, you know, that when we're trying to make ourselves copies of other people, then we're missing the whole point. You know, we're the work that I do with people is all about telling the truth as we know it. And that when you tell the truth, your story changes. And then when your story changes, your life is transformed. That's really the essence of writing to awaken the method that I teach. And what it helps people to do is understand uh, their own blind spots, understand how they're coloring the way they see with all kinds of assumptions, uh, implicit bias, uh, conditioning from family, from culture, from from sexuality, whatever the lens happens to be. And that to the degree that we give our power away to a group outside ourselves, uh, we lose touch with what he called the whisper only you can hear. You know, that individual, uh, that individual still small voice within us. And that when we lose touch with that, we lose uh, we lose connection with our own genius. You know, Emerson thought that genius is something that everyone is born with, and he thought of it as a kind of a muse or a tutelary deity that comes in to teach us and to guide us uh, toward what is ours and toward our own fruition. If all of our attention is being paid to what other people are saying or following uh, other people's, some influencer, uh, we're not going to have a deep sense of who we are. And that causes a real despair for people. We may not even know, Mark, that we are following somebody else's voice. Let's say in a writing workshop with you, if I were attending and I start writing, my first writing might not be coming from that authentic voice. That, I call it clearing your throat. You know, a lot of writers at the beginning of when they sit down to work on something, they, they have to clear their throat. So they have to put down all the, you know, the things they've heard, the things they believe. And then at the bottom of the first page, generally people start to touch into what is true for themselves. But you're right. You have to you have to go through this this process of not this, not that <laughs> till you come to what is actually authentic to you. You know, our minds are, are 
picking up messages all the time, particularly nowadays we're inundated with information. It's, it's, it's very hard to know what you think. And that's why Emerson's message of turning inward, unplugging, trusting solitude, listening to the voice is what the, we need to hear today in this age of, of over-attachment, of compulsive um, attention outside of ourselves. He really was an advocate to to listening to nature. He got disinvited to ever speak to Harvard for like 30 years because he was telling young theologians to not believe in the Bible, but to go to nature and believe in nature. So that's a big deal. It was a big deal. It was called the Harvard Divinity School Address. It's very famous. And it really established Emerson as the spiritual radical that he was. You're right. He came into this room with these little boys that he had been hired to come and give them a talk about how wonderful the mother church is and how you know they need to read their books and mind their P's and Q's. And he basically said, you're wasting your time in school. Go into the woods. You don't need an intermediary to connect you to the divine, however you, you know, think of the divine. And this was blasphemous. They kicked him off the campus, as you were saying, for 30 years. They didn't, they didn't let him come back to Harvard. In the book, someone said, listen to the Sermon of the Trees. Mm. Do you recall that? Yes. And I think that you yourself have actually experienced that, being at Crater Lake. That was an extraordinary experience for me. One of the most extraordinary experiences I think I've ever had. I was at Crater Lake and I had just had a huge fight, a huge blowout with somebody. I was in an absolute rage. I was seething. So before I punched this person, I went for a walk in the forest. And I walked, turned into a grove of there of, of old growth redwood trees. And I was just walking, just going around and around in my head over what had happened. And Justine, I came to the the end of this little lane of trees, maybe 45, 60 seconds walk. And the anger was completely gone in me. It was the strangest thing. I'd never, I didn't know how it happened. It has never happened since. It was gone. I wasn't angry. And I realized that I had had some kind of tree medicine. I didn't know what, I don't know what else to call it. That I, I had been healed just being in the presence of these great beings. And it sounds kind of woo-woo, but I, I, I lived it. And I just, I didn't have any of the emotions at all. And I learned in that moment what he talks about, uh, nature being our greatest teacher, that when you come into the presence of nature, it reminds you that you are nature and it connects you to something deep inside that it's very easy to lose track of because we live in our minds most of the time. And so Emerson is always talking about drop down into your body, come into the presence of nature uh, and listen to the the wisdom of nature in the silence of nature. Also, if you notice how nature operates, the resilience, the the adaptability, the profligacy, the genius, the imagination of nature is overwhelming. These are all lessons that we can live by. I know that you write about nature, that it's not static. It has an extravagant refusal to stop evolving. 
I can remember myself when my mother was dying. You don't have to go to a Redwood Forest. I I was sitting at a bus stop and she was living with us at the time. And I was just feeling extreme grief just at this bus stop. And there was this bush uh, next to me. And I turned to the bush and I just buried my face mm-hmm. in this bush and I cried. And it was the first time I had cried over what was happening in my life and the loss of my mother as she was dying. And that bush, I I feel it today, that bush just took my tears, just received them. And there was a healing there. So I'm just encouraging people that you don't have to go to Redwood Forest or go to to the mountain top or whatever it's just right there at a bus stop <laughs> you know yes. mark i just thank you so much for putting this whole book together it's just so rich with wisdom in very practical sense thank you for reintroducing ralph waldo emerson to us and others in this book thank you so much mark and i thank you for being with us on the new dimensions cafe oh thanks justine I've been speaking with Mark Matusik, and he's an award-winning author of many books, including Lessons from an American Stoic, How Emerson Can Change Your Life. And Mark also leads intensives that focus on transformation, self-discovery, creative growth, spiritual insights uh, through a method called Writing to Awaken, and he does guided writing sessions. So you might want to check in on that. And you can find him and anything about his work and his intensive. Just go to seekersforum.com or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, where you'll find over 1,800 programs in its archive. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe. And I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.